Thank you for listening to Move Your Ass. Uh, that was Arnold Schwarzenegger. And now we have Gray Matters. Thank you for listening to WCBN FM. Well, it's uh, about 6.30 p.m. And welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. A lot of uh, news in the last week, which is kind of odd because usually in uh, August the news kind of drops off because, well... Congress goes on break. And uh, I have an amusing little item about this. This is from the uh, AnnArbor.com, dated uh, the 10th of January, uh, 2013. This is a public policy and polling surveying 830 Americans discovered that Congress is less popular than lice and colonoscopy. Uh, Colonoscopies? Colonoscopies. That's a harder word to pronounce than it looks. There's too many O's in there. <laughs> I need to modify that word. Well, understandable. That 85% they're... disapprove of Congress, yeah. and that's up to 87. And I think the I think Anthony statistic Weiner is the is, telling one. <laughs> and I think Anthony Weiner's more popular than Congress. <laughs> that's scary. Well, there are those uh, freak contingents who want to friend somebody like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, nobody can be thrilled about a colonoscopy except for healthcare care uh, professionals. But uh, the lice statistic, I think, is the most damning one. I mean, lice serve no beneficial purposes, unlike a awkward and intrusive medical procedure. Uh, when you're losing a comparison to lice... Now, Congress did beat out the following. John Edwards, the Kardashians, lobbyists, North Korea, Ebola, Lindsay Lohan, Fidel Castro, playground bullies, meth labs, communism. Communism's on the list. <laughs> and gonorrhea. This, by so, the way. There you go. There's your, there's your bumper sticker. Communism. Uh, still worse than Congress. Or uh, gonorrhea equals Congress, question mark. Well, Congress is slightly more popular than those. Right. Um, and the article concludes, it's not surprising that some people would rather listen to Nickelback. <laughs> and a, a band that everyone loves to bash. Uh, this by Jonathan uh, Oostin of OostinMLive.com. Blah, blah. That was in the uh, AnnArbor.com that I saved. But yeah, Congress is up to 87%. I figured I'd specifically give out a couple of brain damage to two members of Congress, uh, Ted Poe from Texas and Raul Labrador from Idaho. They uh, have decided that the best way to gum up an immigration bill is to add more low-skilled workers to the, to the cause. <laughs> uh, that's the last thing America needs. It's got so many low-skilled workers, we don't know what to do with them. We're having hard, a hard time employing them all. Uh, it's always reassuring to see that when uh, the new job statistics come out, came out, and they came out this past week, 
Unemployment, by the way, fell slightly. Good news there. Steady as she goes, we created 162,000 jobs, but needless to say, 40% of them were in relatively low pain food services skills. Well, and interestingly, last week uh, there protests. Or there's a number yeah. of uh, significant protests. Uh, there's a sort of a growing movement amongst fast food workers, especially in uh, high-rent uh, urban areas, uh, the big cities, uh, to do walkouts to uh, basically wildcat strike. There certainly is no union organization in the fast food uh, business, at least not uh, for the regular workers. Might be for truck drivers and so forth who service those. But uh, uh, unfortunately, the, the discussion, the, the conversation they were trying to facilitate uh, on NPR last week, I think last Wednesday I was driving home from work and heard this conversation and uh, I guess trying to be, you know, uh, friendly to uh, the actual fast food workers, uh, the person they had as the spokesman for this uh, sort of uh, protest movement was just a regular Joe, a guy who's trying to support his family on a low income gig at a fast food restaurant, uh, was not the most articulate fellow they could have had to explain uh, the absence of better jobs. Because the first call that they took on this phone-in chat thing on NPR uh, was from a guy who said, well, these people are idiots. If they're expecting to be able to uh, support and take care of a family on fast food job income, well, they're just stupid for thinking that that's possible. They're doomed. Mm -hmm. uh, and indeed, economically, uh, these people sadly are doomed. But the real question is uh, much more complicated than that, of course. Uh, where are all the manufacturing jobs that used to be sort of low-skilled? You know, high school uh, diploma was enough. Uh, of course, we all know where those manufacturing jobs went. Uh, they went to places where there is not union labor. Yes. Uh, and so uh, pennies can be pinched and uh, massive profits can be uh, accumulated by shareholders and those at the top and of course these these jobs you know they've been disappearing for decades it's not a, it's not like this has happened overnight there seems to be a kind of a, a strange realization uh you know of course in the last couple of uh, weeks it's been very fashionable in the media national media to bash detroit because of the bankruptcy right. uh they have a mayoral race tomorrow uh, with a crowded field and many many unqualified candidates it's interesting that Detroit is going to be electing a city council by district for a change or ward or whatever you want to call it. Detroit has had at-large city council elections for quite some time. I think it goes back to 1918, which may explain some of the problems with the management of the city of Detroit. But it's fascinating in a uh, <clears throat> story just this past weekend regarding Detroit, uh, which is a... Uh, Wall Street Journal analysis, so take it with a bit of a grain of salt, but I think that the data is, is accurate. It shows the uh, five largest American cities over the past, since, the since 1950, regarding population departure. And, of course, Detroit is a downward intercept. They've lost uh, more than about 50% of the population, but it's interesting to note that in 1950, Detroit had 348 1,853 manufacturing jobs. It now has 23,230. 
Well, Those of course, are staggering numbers. Yeah, and these are uh, Detroit's really the poster child for this series of decades-old problems, as you correctly point out. Um, it became fashionable uh, in entertainment media, in all sorts of circles, to, uh, in part at least, blame the decline of Detroit as an automotive capital on the laziness, uh, in, incompetence, uh, or even drunkenness of the American worker. They're lazy, they're stupid, they get the big salaries and the pensions, and they turn out crappy work, and the cars suck, and that's why the big three failed. Well, the reason that the big three failed to read market trends as far as uh, an increasing demand for fuel-efficient cars uh, has a lot more to do with executive decisions made up at the shareholder end than it does with rank-and-file union members who just walk in, show up, and assemble the parts that have already been designed and uh, engineered for them to assemble. Uh, so blaming the workers for the decline of Detroit is just another example of how, uh, in this country, American citizens have been uh, sort of browbeaten through uh, corporate media to devalue the work of other American citizens. And I think this extends to the fast food workers, too. Uh, your average, you know, uh, necktie-wearing uh, business professional probably thinks... You know, that, well, any schmuck can do that job, and therefore uh, they should be happy to have the job. That's sort of a typical right-wing party line. Well, they should be happy to have a job at all. Um, but I've done that work. Uh, first year out of high school, I worked at a burger place, and uh, it's really terrible work. It's uncomfortable mm -hmm. work. It's hard work. Uh, and yet you see the quarterly profit reports for these major corporations that own the burger businesses, and the profits are huge. Well, in part, those profits are huge because the workers uh, are so poorly paid. Uh, there's plenty of money in the system, uh, but we've been conditioned to devalue each other's work. And, of course, the distribution problem is part of the uh fundamental problem with the American economy. Lower-waged uh, workers, it's well-established from fundamental economic theory tend to spend their paychecks so if they get uh, pay increases i'm not too sure that uh, mcdonald's workers deserve fifteen dollars an hour that's a reasonable debate you know doubling their salary would be nice well sure that's that's what you ask for yeah. you don't get that you don't but get something that. in between yeah. is is really but pay increases are important and if we could bolster uh take-home pay for uh the lower say 40% of the population that is in fact working, we probably would see a big boom in the economy. The other interesting thing to note in this article by uh, Matthew Dolan from uh, this weekend's Wall Street Journal, which I think has some interesting data, is that it shows, uh, of course, the precipitous decline in median income in Detroit, um, which exceeded the U.S. national average in the, in the 50s, um, and 60s, and was even keel even in the 70s. But it's interesting to note regarding the American U.S. median decline, actually declined in the 1980s when Ronald Reagan was president, and in the uh, 21st century in the noughties when uh, George W. Bush was president. Uh, so uh, the statistics tell an interesting tale, and I'm not too sure that the... Uh, Morons over at the Fox News Network and Rush Limbaugh are actually portraying things accurately to the American public. Uh, they, of course, want to blame liberals, liberalism, Democrats, unions, etc., for all of Detroit's problems. 
But I also think that it's important historically to remember that the 1950s was sort of the apex of the American economy, period. Mm -hmm. uh, World War II um, <clears throat> killed 70 million people. Europe was largely destroyed. Uh, Germany was firebombed. Japan was firebombed. Uh, we have the... Uh, Russia alone lost 20 million. Yeah. And Russia's losses from World War II by the uh, SS and the Wehrmacht and the mm. German war machine that... I read a historical book this past year. The documents are staggering in the German archives that they're uncovering. Uh, the Nazis had planned on uh, removing 40 to 70 million people out of Eastern Europe for uh, Hitler's vision, courtesy of Mein Kampf. <laughs> um, this was a, a war uh, for human civilization, a war of survival. And the more I read about World War II, the more impressed I become with uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's management of World War II. He knew how to delegate things to the proper people. He kept the correct generals in charge of the operations. Even when Patton famously was suspended briefly for glove-slapping the soldier, um, Roosevelt slapped him on the hand, suspended him for a couple of weeks, made a little show of it, and then said, well, Patton is the best tank general we've got. Get him back to the front. Now, uh, George Marshall and other top advisors like Morgenthau and uh, Leahy, and Nimitz, etc. These are who the battle, uh, you know, the aircraft carriers are named after, and the war was actually managed quite well. You can have an honest debate about the situation regarding unconditional surrender, in which Franklin Roosevelt and uh, Winston Churchill, following a meeting of them, the Big Two, I think it was technically at Casablanca, issued the unconditional surrender mandatory, <laughs> this is the way it's going to work. Um, this, of course, uh, is why these uh, great economies of Japan and Germany, uh, which uh, we have to admit over time, have been very proficient at manufacturing, engineering. Uh, they have superior public schools. Uh, they teach math, science, and engineering far more broadly. Germany still has an apprentice program that allows young uh, people who uh, may not be interested in pursuing a academic career in sociology or uh, sports management. Uh, I heard an interesting statistic once that America right now has more college, American-born college majors in sports management than it does in engineering. <laughs> Want to know why we're having problems? Um, it's a big picture, and the big picture's been lost with a lot of uh, simplistic rhetoric and culture bashing. Uh, the culture wars are very popular with the right, but uh, they've been uh, willing and active leaders of the demise of the American economy. And the uh, American education system, yeah. uh, where there have been a number of very clear attempts to... Uh, not just defund uh, public schools in general budget management, but through the voucher program to siphon money off to schools that are public and private uh, for profit schools. Uh, when those uh, schools receive a share of uh, the state's education budget, uh, public education suffers, uh, rural education suffers, and 
this is not a concern for those who want to help the corporations out. Although it, it seems like after a while, the corporations themselves, as some have, would begin to realize, oh, hey, wait a minute, we need an educated workforce in the future. Well, uh, and, we and need skilled trade jobs. And or you need a fundamental concept. You know, Henry Ford, uh, who was clearly anti-Semitic and had some <laughs> other problems that we won't get into, uh, at least came up with the concept of, of the five-day, five-dollar-day workday. He famously said, I want my workers to be able to afford to buy the product that I make. So he wasn't, he, he participated in the growth of the middle class. Uh, bashing Detroit, of course, is fashionable. It's popular. It's easy. Uh, and it's kind of silly. Uh, America's middle class developed because of Detroit. Detroit was once one of the wealthiest cities in the world. Um, when I was in high school, I took economics. Uh, I was one of four people that actually took an elective called economics. Uh, most people were taking God knows what. <laughs> Who cares? But I've been studying these economic problems since the 70s. I had a palpable example in 1973. We never talk about the Yom Kippur War and the mm. impact that it had on the American economy. What was that all about? Well, that was about Tricky Dick Nixon and Henry Kissinger. Supporting Israel, that resulted in an oil embargo on the United States that lasted for five months. King Faisal was in charge of Saudi Arabia at the time. Uh, he was uh, <clears throat> conveniently assassinated a couple years later by a deranged nephew. I uh, wonder if the CIA might have had a role in that. Who knows? But anyway, this oil embargo lasted for five months. We suspended daylight savings uh, over the winter of 73-74. Yep. I had a little uh, neighborhood lawn mowing job. I saw gasoline prices go from 29 cents to 75 cents. There were regular lines at gas stations? You uh, couldn't even buy gas. Right. Gas stations were running out of it. And this was the mindless um, inattention that our leaders paid to the global economy. Uh, I, there's no question that globalization has been going on as part of the post-war recovery that America even financed uh, in, in terms of constant dollars, uh, modern numbers. So the United States gave uh, Europe in the Marshall Plan, uh, named after George Marshall, who was at the time Secretary of State under Truman, and Chief of Staff under FDR, uh, one of the great American public servants of the 20th century. Uh, Joe McCarthy eventually tried to kind of link him to communism. Didn't work too that well. That was the beginning of uh, McCarthy's uh, demise. Well, yeah. <laughs> Accusing George Marshall of communism. But anyway, the Marshall Plan essentially pumped $150 billion into the Western European economy. That got aggregate demand going. Uh, I recommend reading Joseph Stiglitz and Paul Krugman, current economic Nobel laureates, so to speak, that write about the failure of austerity. And, of course, we're going to hear a lot of chit-chat over the next couple of weeks about the fiscal cliff, uh, sequest Again? sequestration, and more mindless GOP economic ideas. Watch out for the Koch brothers. They're going to be uh, spending lots of money in the media. Oh, and speaking of the media, how 
utterly amazing to hear today in a late-breaking story that the Washington Post has been bought by Jeff Bezos of Amazon.com. Washington Post, finito. It's going to be, what, another Internet gizmo? I don't... And over the weekend, by the way, the New York Times agreed to sell the Boston Globe to, uh, well, an, an owner of entertainment. He he owns the Boston Red Sox and some other properties in, in Boston. The New York Times bought the Boston Globe for $1.1 billion about 20 years ago. Bad investment. They're selling it for $70 million. Wow. <laughs> That's a big loss, but it's hemorrhaging money. So expect massive layoffs at the Boston Globe uh, and the uh, Washington Post. Um, maybe, maybe not guaranteed layoffs because you'd think uh, you'd want to have more journalists covering what's actually going on in Washington. If you can actually figure out what is going on in Washington, Congress has passed less bills than at any time in American history, and they seem to have endless. Revolving debates about repealing Obamacare. I think they've had something like 37 votes on that. John Boehner won't even bring up a bill unless he has a majority of the GOP caucus. And then we get these uh, sabotage operations by uh, the likes of Ted Poe and uh, Raul Labrador to bring in more low-skilled workers from Mexico. This doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And it sounds like a good way to sabotage the bill. But so it goes. Well, the attempt to uh, drag us backwards into the uh, golden age of the uh, robber baron is uh, well underway. Uh, Great quote here from Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant, uh, who is speaking uh, this summer at an event on children's literacy something I'm sure he's really concerned about there with the children of Mississippi, but asked why education levels are falling across the country. Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant said, the mom got in the workplace. So there you have it. It's mom's fault. Another great explanation. And, of course, all those uh, who decry the, uh, you know... Of course, what he doesn't add to that, mom quote is that it became you, economically necessary for uh, for moms to go to work right as they as yeah. union pay went down Absolutely. and unions were demolished in state after state and of course in mississippi i don't know what the word union might mean down there <laughs> perhaps a matrimonial union between uh the correct correct adults yes N- N- niece uh, niece uh, elsa and the uh, cousin Barney are getting married. They're 14. Age of of consent in some of those states. Great stuff. Uh, Yet more uh, (laughs) twisted aspects of American culture. Uh, Over, of course, another big story this past week was the court-martial of uh, Private Bradley Manning. And I use the word court-martial because... The word trial is thrown around quite a bit by the media. I think that you need to call things what they are. Bradley Manning was court-martialed. Major Hassan is going to be court-martialed starting tomorrow. He, by the way, is an illustrative point about guns on military bases. Uh, The Fort Hood is probably one of the most heavily armed places in the United States of America. 
And those guns didn't seem to have stopped the rampage. By yeah, he injured 100, killed 18, uh, and yet not a single person with a gun arrived on the scene to stop that man. Yeah. Of course, he went in, I think he killed a lot of the people in a hospital where he worked. Uh, we're going to hear about... He's all... defending himself, by the way. Yeah, so that ought to be a comedy be show. Bizarre Expect, of that. Uh, the... Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> uh, and, and, of course, um, um, Alaki is going to uh, figure prominently in Major Hassan's uh, upcoming court-martial. Getting back to Bradley Manning's court-martial, I think that it, the judge, who was a colonel, um, pretty much made the, the correct decision. Uh, if you join the military, you agree to their rules. Um, that's the end of the story. I've read a couple of books on the Manning case. I've seen a couple of documentaries. Manning, of course, was betrayed by a computer geek out in uh, California named Lamo. Uh, when you see so him, that's not Lamo. Well, I think it might technically be called Lamo, but anyway, he was always a great guy to watch on in these documentaries because he's got this like tick, you know, where his head, like Whitaker Chambers, and his constant blinking. Yeah, he's a blinker too. <laughs> Which is generally, uh, you know, behaviorists agree, uh, a sign of uh, someone who's a compulsive liar. Multiple blinking. Yeah. But anyway, he turned him into the FBI. Um, those are the facts. Obviously, Manning even had already pled guilty to some of the charges. But obviously, there was some overreach by the government that was shot down. So that's a good thing. And obviously, the sentencing part of this whole escapade is is underway um i don't think bradley manning should have joined the military of course he did so for economic reasons uh he had a troubled background uh his father ironically was in the military so his father probably should have counseled him not to do what he planned on doing but his uh he, he grew up in an unstable home and in fact spent a good amount of his shall we say, 10 to 18-year-old period uh, in the custody of one of his aunts because his mother was apparently a raging alcoholic who had many problems. Well, and he's another one of those guys who went over there with the best of intentions and hopes and aspirations, probably, well, let's make something of myself here in the Army. Uh, it's a man's life in the armed forces, as Monty Python always says. Um but uh, seeing what he saw over there uh, had a change of heart. And that's true of a lot of guys who went over there, and women too, of course. Uh, but uh, those folks don't always have access to the kind of information that Bradley Manning did. Uh, so they come back with different attitudes about the war, the military, America's role on the world stage. Um, we don't get to hear uh, their views and their opinions unless you talk to returning veterans and ask them uh, about their experiences uh, and uh, to what extent they feel they were used, abused, lied to, etc. cetera. Uh, many of them will be, will be quite honest with you about uh, their new epiphany. Yeah, and of course Manning had lots of discipline problems. He seems to have had a sexual identity uh, issue that uh, played a role in some of his other problems. Uh, and it's sad because obviously this is a, a bright young guy that had some computer skills, uh, but I am always a little worried when I 
I hear about people that are listening to lots of Lady Gaga. <laughs> Seems to be one of his role models. Um, so at a personal... Well, maybe you know, Lady Gaga can... Uh, you know, do something on his behalf, at least from a theatrical standpoint. Yeah. She's been outspoken on a number of other social issues. There are, there's a picture of some protesters, I think, in the latest issue of the Progressive magazine uh, calling for uh, Bradley Manning to be uh, given the Nobel Peace Prize, which is uh, probably unlikely to occur, but uh, there are those who feel uh, that way. Just to remind you, you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. The show is Gray Matters. We'd like to thank Andrew for engineering this evening. Yazoo City Calling will be coming up shortly. Uh, just another little, I, I forgot to bring this clipping in, but for some reason this number st st stuck out in my head. This past month in Iraq, uh, 1,037 people have died in sectarian violence. Meanwhile, the Batman Robin show of Lindsey Graham and John McCain continue agitating for American military action in Syria. Fortunately, John Kerry and even Barack Obama know that this is not a policy we want to be pursuing at the moment. So uh, I, don't, I don't know if Graham and uh, McCain want to... Uh, Chuck Hagel is probably against it as well. In fact, he's ranting and raving about the budget cuts that are going to happen to the American Pentagon under sequestration. Well, I say uh, give the Pentagon the budget cuts if you're going to have the sequestration. But for gosh sakes, don't uh, implement sequestration and then restore budget uh, spending for the FAA when the congressmen have to stand in line to get back to their districts to kind of remain missing in action. Right. <laughs> it's an amazing Almost surreal uh, story that continues, uh, and we, I guess at some level, want to be thankful that these guys aren't doing more. Because <laughs> what they do is so bad. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it almost seems like they're trying to sabotage everybody's faith in government itself as a concept, and of course there probably are some gun-toting mountain men out there who'd like to get the government off their backs altogether, but of course... The average citizen has no control over uh, uh, what the decisions that CEOs and shareholders make. Uh, government is the last, you know, entity that we do yield some small uh, amount of control over. Uh, we've been encouraged to uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater, but it's good to see, uh, ironically good, quote unquote. I'm being sarcastic here. Uh, the Cossacks are making a comeback in Russia, and there are. Apparently, uh, at least several hundred people, enough to fill 500 buses almost, uh, to protest uh, for Berlusconi to be pardoned. Okay, well, I hope hopefully Snowden will see that item and uh, find a horse. Maybe he can join the Russian cavalry. We're out of time. Yazoo City Calling, coming up next on this fine station, WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Thanks to Andrew for engineering. Hey, hey, kid. Hey, you. Yeah. Come here. Come here. No. 
it's okay. It's okay. I got something to tell you. Yeah. No, no, no. It's cool. Hey, listen. You new here? Uh-huh. You new here, huh? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Where are you from? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, listen. You know what's going on around here? You don't. You don't. Yeah. That's sure. Because there ain't nothing going on. There ain't nothing.